This Week in Startups is brought to you by Mixmax, the number one Gmail-based productivity application that declutters your email, prioritizes tasks, and automates your day. Go to get.mixmax.com twist for $100 in credits. LinkedIn. LinkedIn has marketing tools to help you target your customers with precision. To redeem a $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Get NetSuite's guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, when you go to netsuite.com slash twist. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis. We do this podcast twice a week, and we're almost at 1,000 episodes. Can you imagine? A decade of This Week in Startups. Somebody told me on Twitter they watched 140 episodes in a month or a new founder. What a great way to catch up and hear from all these great founders about various topics. If you've got an idea for a guest uh, that's not yourself and that's not like trying to sell to the audience, but like an interesting guest like today's, just email me, jason at calacanis.com. If you don't know how to spell my name, type calacanis into Google and it will correct you. We've wondered about telemedicine over the last couple of decades. Would we be having surgery remotely with a doctor in India performing surgery in Paris or a radi uh, radiologist looking at your uh, x-rays in uh, Bangladesh for people in Africa? All these incredible ideas were going around. Some of them have happened, but it turns out one of the easiest, one of the layups, if you will, has taken a long time, and that is getting simple prescriptions to things that might be annoying, uncomfortable, or that people just might not go get themselves, uh, but could do very easily over their smartphones, which now have video capabilities. And let's face it, millennials, there's a whole category of companies designed around millennials who don't want to talk to people. We call these the don't talk to people companies. I don't want to talk to anybody about my insurance. I don't want to talk to anybody uh, about getting a cab. I don't want to talk to anybody at the front desk. I just want to get my food without talking to anybody. I just want to get my apartment without talking to anybody. Well, it turns out that our next guest, Hans, Gangiskar. Gangiskar. Yeah, Gangiskar. I got it. Welcome to the program, Hans. Thank you. Uh, from Norway. Yep. We'll talk a little about Norway later. Um, I'm fascinated by Norway. <laughs> I've been there once. A lot of great fjords there. Yeah, the fjords are stunning. Fantastic. Um, has created a new company called Norex. And uh, Brad Burnham, who was on the podcast recently, formerly of uh, Union Square Ventures, or I guess he's still associated with it, uh, who's now doing a lot of angel investor, uh, angel investing, uh, tipped us off to this company. It's N-U-R-X.com. And they're a consumer health company doing telemedicine. But instead of doing remote surgery or checking people's CAT scans or x-rays across the globe to do financial arbitrage, you're doing what? So we are. We started out prescribing and delivering birth control. So uh, we launched our service in December 2015, uh, basically off this, this very simple sort of observation that there were at the time a lot of companies offering uh, products to people who wanted to spend time on health, people who sort of wanted to invest in their health, like your typical quantified selfers who sort of want to get really fit and were willing to invest in that. But there wasn't really anything that was designed to and worked for people who had simple healthcare needs in their everyday lives. And then once they were taken care of, wanted to move on with their life. Hmm. And uh, 
pretty quickly, um, birth control came up as as the number one thing. So um, my co-founder, uh, Eddie, who is a doctor, and I were sort of talking about this at the time. And one of the things, sort of, we were thinking ear infections, eye infections. I had had pink eye at the time mm-hmm. and sort of woke up thinking Brutal. I'd been drugged with yeah. like pupils dilated like this. Yeah. Uh, and then sort of- Which go- in San Francisco- yeah. That's a 50-50 when you go out here. It really? Yeah. That's why I didn't think of pink eye. I thought it would You're like, yeah, it's probably LSD and mushrooms. <laughs> Psilocybin. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, as we started talking to doctors about this, the one thing that, that came up over and over again was birth control. Every doctor has a story of sort of an awkward call from a friend of friend who says, you don't really know me, but we both know so-and-so. And and really awkward story. I'm at Walgreens and I'm out of refills. So, hmm. That's how we really started looking into birth control. And then sort of the more we we dug in, the, the more it made sense. Uh, the CDC has really, really detailed guidelines on how to prescribe birth control. And we it was pretty clear to us we could we could comply with those uh, with just an app with no video, no voice, which we think is a much better experience. And we uh, and, you know, it's just really safe. Mm-hmm. Birth control so safe. It's so ubiquitous. It's been around for 70 years. It's been It shouldn't be arduous to get birth control. No, exactly. And you oh, know, by the way, the company's Nuex. I said Nurex. No, it is Nurex. It is Nurex. Yeah. But do people say Nuex sometimes when they mm, typically they either say NuRx or Nurex. Got it. Nurex. Okay. N U R X dot com. Just so in case people were wondering. It is how much of it has to do with consumers demanding this versus doctors being willing to do it. Because my experience has been you ask doctors to give you a Mm Z-Pack or something very basic that you can buy over the counter in Paris. I was in Paris. I needed a Z-Pack. I went to the pharmacist. The pharmacist said, oh yeah, you look like you're sick. Here you go. But you know, France might not be the the model citizen. One of my my best friends in Norway, his his mother goes to France once a year to sort of go into the pharmacy and go like, I need my OxyContin. Oh, really? So Oxycontin's over the counter? It's not over the counter, oh. but but you go into a pharmacy in Paris and you say you need something uh-huh. and, and you... you Walk out with what you need? Yep. So they're driven by the profit motive of selling it, I uh, guess? I don't know, or, or the sympathy or, or something. Um, well, it's easy breezy there. They think you're an adult. Here yeah. in the United States, it's a little more patriarchal. You have to get a doctor's for a lot more stuff. I, I think it's a good idea that opioids are, are prescription medicine. I would go with that for opioids. I'm not so sure about a Z-Pack if I want to take it or a... Let's, let's keep it to birth control. Or birth control. Yeah. Like why would any, why isn't birth control just over the counter? It, it's over the counter in half the countries in the world. And, and you know, the, the answer is that, that it contains estrogen and estrogen leads to slight uh, increase in risk of blood clotting. So, so basically all the prescribing guidelines around uh, birth control are about eliminating the risk of blood clots. How does one eliminate yeah. the risk of blood clots? So you control for things like high blood pressure, history uh-huh. of blood clots, migraines with aura, those kinds of things. But you So know, you ask people if they have those. Women are still more likely to be in jail than to have a blood clot from birth control. So... This is a risk that, that in my in mind- In jail for taking blo- birth control? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, it's a ridiculous risk. Yeah. It's like we're talking about getting in a car is probably more dangerous. Uh, Riding a bicycle. So I haven't run dangerous. the numbers on that, yeah. but, but- And what has the performance of this been? Uh, and how has the adoption been? Is it just young people who want to, as I said in my little opening there, that's driving it? They, they just don't want to talk to people going to a doctor? Or is it 
everybody has this need and they all want it. Gen Xers as well. Yeah. So, so when we started out, we, we were thinking it would be young people and it would be predominantly for convenience. And we sort of expected sort of mm -hmm. young professional women, San Francisco, LA, New York would be sort of our, our key market. And, and we certainly have a lot of those, but, but, you know, it's everyone. Yeah. It's your uh, 13 year old girl in, in, in Illinois. Mm. Um, it's, it's sort of, you're young professional, but it's also a lot of people in the middle of the country who live three hours away from a clinic yeah. or or women who went into the doctor to get birth control and their doctor said, you know, in my view, uh, birth control is only for married women, so I'm not going to prescribe you this. Oh, so my Lord. It happens in so many different ways. And, and that's one thing that really surprised us that, that sort of we came into this thinking it was mostly a convenience play and and it's really an access play just as much as a convenience play. Yeah, see, thing. that's interesting because I, you would at first glance think, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, women in cities, people have phones, but it's like everybody's got phones now. It's yeah. not like some unique thing to the coastal towns. That's ridiculous. Uh, and it turns out the people in those other regions, there's a, a whole list of the distance and the inconvenience, the maybe religious or, I don't know, patriarchal, anti-feminine doctors who want to tell people how to live their lives. There's like so many reasons, but it's also that maybe the it's uncomfortable to have that conversation because you know you're going to get the lecture. Exactly. And you know, there are so many places, if, if you live in a small town and there's like one or two doctors in town, you you don't want to talk to them. And mm. and if you're if you're a a young person and you know that sort of yes, the the doctor who knows my mother and who knows may know my father as well, uh. yes, they're gonna rep respect doctor patient confidentiality, but they might sort of, when they're having co drinks with your parents yeah. at that party, they might see now's the time to, for you to have a talk. What's the uh, protocol for a 13-year-old to get birth control? Do they need parental consent? So that this all varies state by state. By state. Okay. So, so there is a strong argument that, that there is a constitutional right for uh, minors to, to get contraceptive advice and care without parental involvement. And there's some some strong cases at the Supreme Court. We're not picking that fight yet. So mm -hmm. we're adhering to state law on this. In California, it's it's entirely up to the, the doctor to decide what they think makes sense, what mm -hmm. they think is. So in California, the doctor decides. Yeah. That's the case in most states. Oh. Uh, Let me guess, Texas and... Texas, it's it's a little more strict. Uh, in, and you need to get your pastor and your mom to sign off. <laughs> That's a joke. Take it easy, Texas. I know. Uh, it it varies, uh, but but you know some states, for instance, it, it you can do it, but it needs to be for non contraceptive re reasons. So if if the doctor prescribes it for cramps, it's okay. But if they prescribe it for oh, you to not Lord. get pregnant, not okay. So it. it it's it really, hard enough to be a woman. Like they just like make it even more difficult. Like you have I, to deal with having to manage reproductive health where men really don't have to. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they should, but really isn't a male contraceptive at this and, time. And and pay for it and, and deal with it. And here we are two guys talking about it. I know. We'll mansplain it more to you ladies <laughs> listening. Well, that's actually an interesting question to people. Is there some feedback to you as a man going into this? In this crazy world we have now, are you mansplaining? Are people upset at you for doing this? Um, I don't think so. 
we don't typically don't have people who are upset at us yeah. for, for doing this. Uh, but but obviously, we, we get the question, like, why are two guys doing this? Yeah, so and, why are two guys doing that? Let's answer that. that when we get back from this quick break on This Week in Startups. My sales team is obsessed with MixMax, M-I-X-M-A-X. It's a Gmail-based productivity application, and it provides massively powerful campaign analytics, and it supercharges your efficiency in really three areas, sales, outbound sales engagement, automation, and analytics for bringing in new business. Wouldn't 70% open rates and 50 to 60% reply rates be great for your startup, for your sales team? We'll go ask them. And many customer success teams do not have a one-to-one relationship with customers. That's what you want. Recruitment as well, scheduling, availability. It keeps you super busy. Well, imagine you get an email that says, pick one of these dates, boom, or vote on which one of these dates you want. Thumbtack sales teams uses it, and so does their HR team, and they love it. Our sales team loves it, and... Grant from my team said their sales efficiency and effectiveness has taken off since switching to MixMax. They love it. Through simple email sequencing and automation, they've achieved absurdly good results. I mean, ridiculous. 91% open rates, 20% click rates, 30% reply rates, 10% outbound emails to meeting conversion. That's the key. You want to get those emails to conversions going. And one out of every 10 cold emails converts into a meeting now. And we're tracking all this. This is the pipeline management. And this is the sequencing that high-end sales teams are doing. Well, it's available for everybody with MixMax. So I want you to go to get.mixmax.com slash twist. Get dot mixmax.com slash twist t-w-i-s-t and you're going to get a hundred dollars a c-note a hundy in credits with a minimum of three annual licenses there's no strings attached no credit card required to get a demo uh, and it's great for your sales team it's great for executives recruitment customer success all of that so start tracking get dot mixmax.com slash twist you're going to love this product okay let's get back to this amazing episode Hey, everybody. Welcome back to This Week in Startups. My guest, Hans Gangaskar. He is Han, S-O-I-S, on the Twitter, co-founder and CEO of Nurex, N-U-R-X.com. Great four-letter domain. Can't be cheap, but it's not in the dictionary, so I'm going to guess 150 dimes. Uh, we actually paid. Do you want to know how much we paid yeah, for that? Yeah, sure. I'm always, I'm a domain. Uh... I think we paid $2,000 for it. What? Good <laughs> on you, son. So. Good on you. Um, and he has been working in the uh, direct to consumer. Is it direct to consumer? I guess it would be direct yeah, to consumer yeah, category. We, um, so why did two guys start this? So I think. And does it even matter? I mean, I kind of feel like it's a dumb question. I don't know if it's a, is it a, are we too concerned about people's gender and what they do? Well, do you I get think, it a lot? I think we get it from time to time. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the short answer is no, it doesn't matter. It matters that we're building a company that 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 has people who know what they're doing. Uh, that that we have sort of a good gender balance in our workforce, mm. in our executive team, in okay, our, great. In our, on our board. But but ultimately, yes, our first service was birth control. But we're building a healthcare company, yeah. and 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 it's not just about women. It's about people. It's about men. It's about transgendered folks. Yeah. Yeah. What's the cost? Like a hundred bucks for the doctor's visit, and I think what is it? Twenty bucks a month for birth control these days. Uh, if if you go in brick and mortar? No, for you. For with us. Uh, so if you don't use insurance, we don't charge for the visit. We just charge $15 a month for the pills and the consultation. Included. How do you make any money on that? So, you know, it costs us very little to prescribe birth control. And Is it that cheap? 
uh, it costs us now $3.37 to provide that consultation. To provide the consultation? Yep. So the doctor can just check off the boxes, no blood clots, and get that. We, consultation is easy. So on average, yeah. they they we don't tell the doctor how much time they can spend with mm. the patient, right? So they, they can spend as much time going back and forth. They can get them on right. the phone if they want or video. Uh, we, we prepare the chart. We have a team of nurses that, that's reviewing it. On, ah. on average, that's what it works out Got to it. be. Great. So you might have some outliers here or there, but yep. that's the average. Um, but is there, can you make a profit at 15 bucks a month? Is there any profit in that? So, you know, when you buy a birth control um, in the kind of volumes we buy, ah. it does not cost a lot. Really? Yeah. Well, that's fantastic for the world that it's that affordable. Why is it one of the categories where it's not super expensive? How, what's the, hit? do you know the history of that? Why birth control is so affordable? Has it just been around since... The same, you know, I guess. Yeah, it's been around for for decades and decades and decades. Every generic drug manufacturer has a good suite of birth controls available, and sort of that's where, if you look at drug pricing, which is a, an effed up part of the U.S. healthcare system, if if a drug is on brand, the the manufacturer can dictate the price, mm -hmm. right? If there's one or two generic manufacturers, you usually see high pricing. But but something like birth control that's on the roster for from every generic drug manufacturers that they'll underbid each other and they've done that over decades, right? So, oh, so that's actually good for society. Yeah. Seems like it's, what, I wonder what the, is it 15 years a drug stays under? Patents? Yeah. So um, it depends on when the original patent was filed, but it's typically 17 years from grant or 20 years from filing of the patent. And then you can get some, some extensions, but. It's so a couple if, decades. Yeah. And then after that, the generic race starts. That's why there's so many different types of Viagra on the market now, from yep. what I hear. But uh, no, it's like all these, com there's also this other company, the men's company that's doing, there's a couple of men's companies now that are doing Propecia and um, Viagra, chewable Viagra, all this stuff. They asked us to be sponsors on the show. I, I didn't like, know there was chewable Viagra, but. Um... Yeah, they asked me like, would you do ads for Chewable Viagra on the podcast. I said no to vaping a decade ago when they asked we, for them to be sponsors. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do a vaping thing. I'm not sure about that. We have Chewable birth control. Does that exist, really? Yeah. It, it costs 10 times as much, but... Really? Yeah. To have a chewable. Mm -hmm. This was some tiny little pill. What about the morning after pill? That is a big controversial one, in, right? Is that legal in all 50 states? Uh, yes, because it's FDA approved as an over-the-counter drug. Ah, so It's over-the-counter. Yes. So oh. there. So we offer uh, Plan B and another form of emergency contraceptive called Ella. Oh. So Plan B uh, works for the first seventy-two hours after unprotected sex. Ella works for the first five days, so two days for, longer for pregnancy, yep. but not for STD protection. No. Just to be clear for the audience, if they're listening, like exactly. So you probably still want to use a condom. Yeah, absolutely. if you don't want to get a STD, but you're launching today, speaking of STDs, HPV, which I only found out about because Michael, there was this talk about Michael Douglas had it in his throat or throat cancer, HPV, cervical cancers. I, I didn't catch the news about Michael, Michael Douglas, but- uh, That's what everybody was talking about when I first heard about it. I don't know if that's true or not. We'll check it. But um, HPV is spreading like wildfire from what I understand. Is that the most- so It's human papillomavirus. I, some people consider it an STI, some people don't, but- but there are lots of different strains of human papillomavirus. So some of them, like I think that the thing that people think about when they when they fear it most is sort of genital warts. Mm. Uh, but some of the strains of HPV uh, 
cause cell changes that can lead to cancer, be it in the throat or in the cervix or or wherever else you can find it. it. Um, so HPV is the main reason why people do pap smears. And now that we have knowledge around which strains of HPV lead to cervical cancers, uh, this is becoming a great alternative to the pap smear. And, and it's been that way for a long time in the Netherlands and the UK, huh. that instead of doing a a sort of scraping of the cervix, uh, you can now do a vaginal swab instead, which is much less involved. Mm. Um, and you can do it in the mail. Uh, you can get it from us uh, and right. we can screen. Now that the HPV testing kit, you could get that over the counter. No, no. not to my knowledge. Not to your knowledge. You could, so there you, are other people that will sell you an HPV testing kit ah. for sure. But but it, my my understanding is that anyone who will send you an HPV testing kit should have it ordered by a medical practitioner. Got it. Um, yeah, here, I'm on CBS News right now. You can pull it up on the screen. Oral sex and throat cancer, Michael Douglas, HPV report spotlights, epidemic. Michael mm -hmm. Douglas announcement that his throat cancer was caused by human papilloma virus. I'm pronouncing that correctly. A sexually yep. transmitted disease has raised awareness about men's health. Trend doctors been alarmed about for six years, six year actor, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, so it is, it is sexually transmittable. So you can get it anywhere that you could get an STI. Uh, uh, and and the big focus has always been cervical cancer, but you can get yeah. throat cancer or rectal right. cancer from it too. Oh, wow. Um, are young people, I, I don't know how old you are, but I grew up in the 80s. I was born in 1970. Mm -hmm. Where were, we, were you, Gen X or millennials? I'm born in 84. 84. So, yeah. so we grew up with the AIDS scare, which mm -hmm. just terrified everybody of sex. My understanding is the young people today, and I was talking to a friend of mine who was a gay man, he said young people today don't remember or know people who lived through that in a lot of cases, because a lot of them died, gay men, um, that this young, this next generation is a little bit uh, frivolous. They're having less sex, but they're a little frivolous about... STD production. Is there any data on that you can so, share? So, you know, uh, we, we also offer an HIV prevention service. So, oh. so I think one of the, the most exciting things in the history of the, the HIV epidemic was, was the approval of Truvada for PrEP in 2012, mm -hmm. which is a daily pill that HIV negative people can take to stay HIV negative. So That is fascinating that this yeah. exists PrEP. Yeah. PrEP allows you to take a pill. Mm -hmm. If you have unprotected sex with somebody who has the HIV virus, you will... Not get it. Yeah. So wearing a condom reduces HIV transmission rates by 85%. Taking four or more pills of Truvada a week reduces it by over 99%. Wow. So it's much, much more effective than condoms at preventing HIV. That's amazing. Now, do you sell that, PrEP? We do. So, oh. so that was actually the second service we launched. So uh, it's a much more involved service than birth control, mm. even though sort of it, it kind of fills the same niche. It's like protect yourself, take care of yourself, yeah, it take does the pill like once similar, a day. Yeah. Um, but it's got a slightly different target audience. Uh, and we have to send you a testing kit every three months. So uh -huh. when you onboard on PrEP with us, we send you a kit in the mail. It includes an HIV test. It includes a syphilis test. It includes a hep B test. Huh. It includes a kidney function test and a full three-site STI screen. So speaking of the HPV in the throat, you do a throat swab, you do a rectal swab, and then you, you pee in a cup and you send it all back to wow. us. All right, when we get back from this break, since we're going there and we're talking about sexuality on the show, which we've never actually done, so it's kind of <laughs> interesting. Um, I want to dovetail all this testing, this new generation, the app culture with the sort of casual hookup nature of 
Tinder and other services, although they say it's not for that, it's for making friends. Okay, special friends. Um, and how people communicate their status to each other. And is there any end game where the testing and the dating apps would come together when we get back on This Week in Startups? We love LinkedIn for marketing and advertising our products here at launch. Let me show you how we're using it because there's 500 million people every day on LinkedIn. And it's not just for jobs. It's also for marketing. They have an ad platform that is second to none. It lets you do really interesting things like target people not only by geography, which a lot of people do candidly, but by job title and what company they're at. So we want people to come to Launch Festival Sydney. You know, we brought uh, the Launch Festival to Sydney. And we started buying some ads in New Zealand, in Australia, obviously. And we decided we wanted investors, right? Because we do angel investing, angel university. We also found entrepreneurs, sales executives, and startups. And now we've built an ad. We upload a video and target just those people. So here is Presh, our CMO, uh, putting up the ads for Launch Festival Sydney. And we put in the headline, the call to action, learn more. And we figure out, oh, look, there's 330,000 people who match that very targeted ticket purchaser for our event. And our tickets for our events are, you know, whatever, $300 up to 1000 maybe. Well, we can easily make that money back by using LinkedIn marketing and reach customers we didn't know were out there. That's the great thing about the ubiquity of LinkedIn, and that's the power of LinkedIn marketing. So here's your call to action. It's unbelievable, I know, but LinkedIn is going to give our audience members 100 bucks, a hundy, a bean right now. Get that ad credit by going to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. You got to spell it out. LinkedIn.com thisweekinstartups. No spaces, no dashes, no nonsense. LinkedIn.com slash thisweekinstartups. You can create a campaign in minutes and four out of five customers on LinkedIn, they're decision makers, just like you. So you're building relationships with people that really matter and you're not wasting your ad spend on people who will never buy your product or service. Okay, go get that hundred, get that hundy. That hundred is not gonna be available forever, I can tell you that, that's a generous offer. LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to This Week in Startups. My guest is Hans Gangaskar, who is the co-founder and CEO of Nurex, N-U-R-X.com. They provide, for women, birth control. Um, HPV testing, which is for men and women. Yes, we are launching it for women now, but we'll we'll be taking it out to the broader audience Great. soon. PrEP. Yep. Which is for men, is it exclusively used by gay men or is it no. used by straight so, men as well? So it's, it's for anyone who's at increased risk of HIV. And okay. there are a number of reasons why you could be at increased risk of HIV. Okay. So uh, obviously one of the reasons is having many sexual partners that you okay. have unprotected sex with. Another way you could be at increased risk is if you have a long-term partner that is HIV positive. Sure. Uh, oh, wow. I never thought about that. It used to be that people who had HIV would be dating people with HIV and it kind of limited the partner pool. Now with PrEP, does that mean the partner pool has opened up for those folks? So, so the, there, there are lots of different dynamics. Uh, in the medical world, uh, it's referred to as a serodiscordant couple. Uh, serodiscordant couple. Serodiscordant means there's some... Mm -hmm. Uh, problem. There's some disjunct or just disjointed. different, right? Different. One, just one has sero converted to HIV positive, uh -huh. and one has not. Got it. Sero discordant. There you go. Sero discordant. You learn something every day. Um, 
I guess that would has must have opened up a lot of dating possibilities for people where previously that would be like a not only a death sentence but also a dating sentence. Well, like, well so so I think there there was always a, like uh, the the huge thing with prep is it took fear out of sex for a generation yes. of of people who had been told to constantly be afraid of HIV. So like the generation, yeah, I'm part about. of. I mean, it was terrorizing in the 80s because people when you were born. I was whatever, 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. I was born in 70, so in 83, 84, they sat us down and they're like, if you have sex, you're going to die. <laughs> everybody's got AIDS, everybody's dying. And by the way, if you play basketball with a gay person uh, who has HIV, because they just, it was yeah. called the gay plague at that mm -hmm. time. I mean, it was bizarre. Um, people thought that Magic Johnson sweating on another NBA player, sweating on Patrick Ewing would transfer the disease. Yeah, it's it's and and sort of to give credit where credit is due, you know, um, the the late Barbara Bush, who yeah. who sort of walked into Children's Hospital and and picked up a, yeah. an HIV positive baby, and yeah. how that sort of changed things. Yeah, and Mayor Koch, maybe not so much in New York. <laughs> he was sort of in denial. There's an interesting documentary about it. You can look it up on the uh, Netflix there. Um, ha is there some way to? Ha I, I see here, I'm looking at a Mashable, you can pull it up on the screen. Grindr and other dating apps are working to add STBTD notification features. So I guess actually this is happening. Um, so I guess they're going to have some sort of STD partnership. Uh, according to Heidi Bauer, the chief STD controller of the California Health Department, da 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 uh, they're possibly designing and piloting this. Do you know if there's any update on this? Like it would be very cool if people were in dating apps and I guess if they decide to be together, if it revealed that. So so I think they're, they're my, my reading of this is it's, so when someone tests positive for an STD, right, um, they're typically asked to, to notify their partners as far back as when they knew they weren't positive for that STD. Oh, is that the best practice? Yeah. So um, you can sort of, figure out how much work that's going to be. Uh, <laughs> and and if, if you're in San Francisco, for instance, and you went to the city clinic here in San Francisco, they'll offer to do that for you. So they'll be like, write down the names and phone numbers here and we will do the ringing for you. Wow. Um, yeah. That's great though when you think about it because it's so uncomfortable mm -hmm. that to take that out of it increases compliance, right? Because we're always thinking about that in the internet, like engagement and apps yeah. and making sure people actually do what we want them to do, this is a positive way to take that friction out. Yeah, and I think that is a nice feature if, if Grindr mm -hmm. would basically do that work for you and anonymize it so you're not doing that. But Oh, that'd be interesting. So I met these people in the app or agreed yeah. to meet with them. Yeah. I let them know, hey, you met with this person on this date. They or not this person, you just met with someone who has it, you should test yourself, right? Yeah. So, so that to increase the likelihood that someone oh, that would, be would do it versus, because there, I know there are other companies out there working on basically like, a, I'm clean, I don't have any STIs badge uh, for you to put on your dating profile, which I think is, it's more questionable because like on the prep service, uh, on the onboarding testing panel, uh, we see about 30% of people have one or more STIs. Mm. Um that we then help them get treated. Uh, whereas on the uh, subsequent testings, it's much lower because we help people take precautions and we help people work it through. But you know, uh, most of the STIs we discover are actually in the, the pharynx or in the throat. Huh, that's fascinating. 
That's the, well, it's, I mean, it's all mucous membranes. So I guess that's the place mm -hmm. where it's easier to swab and get information or no, it's, it lives so, there more so, actively. So chlamydia and gonorrhea are localized infections. Oh. So I, you get it just from kissing. No, uh, but but you can get it from oral sex. Ah, like, from oral sex. You, you get chlamydia in the throat; it stays in the throat. Uh, like you, that's hence why we have to do three site testing Got it. to 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 find it. Because like your your genital test isn't going to be positive if you only have it in the throat. Got it. Ah, and they're getting back to the generational difference because we mm -hmm. have the technology, and the technology has impacted, hasn't? How people approach sex. I, I've heard for many people that hookup culture is pretty common, even in heterosexual uh, relationships now. It's it's almost as if, like, it, I think a lot of people look at Grindr and Tinder. Tinder kind of stole Grindr's user interface or approach. Um, and that this hookup culture exists now. Um, do you think people are more at risk now? Or are they more... I don't know, what's the word, diligent about not spreading infections? I think... Uh, or has it always been the same? And it's just generational... It's always been a, it's always been a risk. I think uh, we have more tools now, we have more data now than we've ever had. And, and I think things like PrEP mm. are, are really exciting mm. in, the in, in the sense that they, like, they can truly change the arc of the HIV epidemic mm. in, a, in a way that we've never had the opportunity to see before. But if you go back to, to sort of the days of pre the, the HIV epidemic, and, and there were like famous doctors, especially in New York City, who were saying, don't use condoms, sexual liberation is more important, every STI is treatable, uh, oh. so it's more important for you to feel like wow. you're yourself, you can do what you want. The, the 70s were <laughs> bonkers. All right, when we get back from this, I want to talk to you, just entrepreneur to entrepreneur. You got an incredible roster, uh, Y Combinator, Union Square Ventures, Kleiner Perkins, and Loris Case Capital, um, and the most recent round, $36 million by Kleiner. This is a serious, significant business. I want you to tell me how things have changed for you over the years from when you first started, and maybe there's an uncomfortable conversation for some people, and a nascent space where people weren't doing it. And I think there are probably a lot of risks and how things have changed over the last couple of years for you uh, at Norex when we get back on This Week in Startups. Hey, everybody. It's time for you to have your startup grow up. No more shared spreadsheets or manual processes. No more legacy systems costing you all this time. No. It's time for you to move your business to the cloud. And you're going to use NetSuite by Oracle. It's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in one easy to use cloud platform. You've heard their ads before and you know what they help you do. They're gonna save you time and money and get rid of all those head headaches that you have by managing sales, finance and accounting, as well as orders and HR, human resources, human capital, right from your desk or even on your phone. Thousands of the best known brands and the fastest growing companies use NetSuite by Oracle to manage their businesses. And now it's available to you. And the world's most popular cloud management system is more affordable than you think. So don't get scared. Just because all the big companies use it doesn't mean your startup's not ready for NetSuite by Oracle. Here is your call to action. This is super important. NetSuite is offering you valuable insights to overcome the obstacles that are holding you back for free. And you can unleash your business's full potential by getting this free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth. And who doesn't want to crush those barriers to growth? Just so you know, some of them include finding your next customer, increasing your profits, cash flow visibility. In other words, are you going to run out of cash? <laughs> Tackling all those regulations. And hey, of course, building a winning team. 
I want you to go to netsuite.com slash twist, netsuite.com slash twist to get crushing the five barriers to growth. It's time for your business to grow up and start using NetSuite by Oracle. Go ahead and get that crushing the five barriers to growth guide at netsuite, S-U-I-T-E dot com slash twist, T-W-I-S-T. All right, let's get back to this amazing episode. Welcome back to the podcast, Hans. When you started, uh, were people skeptical about this space back in 2014? It was right when Dollar Shave Club was kind of hitting its stride. So I know direct-to-consumer was cranking, but telemedicine was not. And I think back then we were not put in the DTC category at all. And I think mm. we still don't really consider ourselves uh, as part of that category. Uh-huh. Uh, we were mostly seen as as healthcare and, and the first questions we were getting were like, what about pap smear? Like mm. women are supposed to have their pap smears. And like, what about primary care? Like you're keeping people out of the doctor's office. Those were a lot of the questions we were getting as well as some questions like, is birth control a big market? Uh, mm. Yeah, <laughs> which let me it is. that through. <laughs> um, What's the yeah. market in the United States? I'm curious. It's about $8 billion. Wow. So. And there's 320 million people in the United States. Of those, 200 and change are adults. Half of them are women, 100 million potential. Well, no, some of the women are over childbearing years as well. So it would be women between whatever, 12 or 13 and 50? Yeah. It's probably and, 70 and million reason- women. And, and the reasonable market is, is women who are on birth control. So we offer birth control pills. We offer the patch. We offer the NuvaRing. And we offer the self-injectable Depo-Sub-Q shot. So that's sort of a subset oh, of, because wow. there are- There's a shot you can take? Like a... Yeah, so we can send you a little shot in the mail. Wow. Uh, and it lasts for a month. Three months. Three months. Yep. It's not an IUD. It's a shot. Yeah. So you like put it in your arm, you squeeze it, and then, yeah. And that's effective? Yeah. Wow. More effective than the pill, but really? Yeah. Why don't why isn't that the standard or is it becoming the standard? I think it it works really well for other people. Some uh, people like it, some people don't. Uh it it doesn't have estrogen uh to my knowledge. So mm-hmm. so but but also uh, you know, one of the things that a lot of our users are are very, very conscious of is weight gain from their birth control. Oh really? Is that a thing? Uh it's a thing that a lot of people are very concerned about. And but is it match reality or? So the the depo shot actually does have some some weight gain uh, associated with it. Most of the other types of birth control, not so much. Ah, well, that's fascinating in and of itself. Wow. So it's something that's you do once every three months versus ninety times, but you gain. What are we talking about here? Like two pounds or something? I have no idea. Yeah, it's something modest. It's not something we we try. Yeah, the the increased estrogen does impact people i i know i've had friends who have taken it and it does make them moody or they've had concerns about that roller coaster that as they described it i think it's mostly about matching a birth control that works for someone and our doctors do a great job of that Mm. so like about a reasonable number of our 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 users who sign up end up switching to another birth control type and we guide you through that process you can chat with your doctor like if it doesn't work that they're there for you and i think it's not so much that that the estrogen is bad. Like there are other people who get on birth control and like my body's never been this great before. Mm. So it's just about finding something that works for you and working with our, our doctors to, to find that. 
how do you source these doctors? Are they full-time employees? Are they partners? And do they spend their whole day doing just this? Or do they have practices and then do this for an hour a day as like a side hustle? How does it work? Some of them are full-time. Some of them are part-time. Huh. Uh, but, you know, the work on, on our platform is quite varied. Uh, sometimes you're prescribing birth control. Sometimes you're messaging with patients about finding another birth control for them. Sometimes you're you're getting a positive HIV test back and you have to get that patient on the phone and, and like let them know that their test came back positive uh, about options for treatment. Wow, so, yeah, that's so a heavy moment. It's not just about like reviewing charts and clicking yes. It's 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 pretty varied work. And Do you yeah. do that over the phone and let somebody know they have HIV? Yes. Wow. That's fascinating. Because isn't that like a sit down, we need to talk discussion? Well, so, so I think this is uh, one of our um, very early advisors, uh, Dr. Bob Grant, um, uh, out of UCSF, who ran the initial IPREX study uh, to get PrEP approved. Uh, I love how, how he put it, that sort of the way that we do this in the United States is we, we take someone, we take away their control of space and time by putting them in a tiny room, and then we give them some really distressing news. And that is a textbook way of how to give someone post-traumatic stress syndrome. Mm. So if you give them the information on their own terms, so if they want to get it over the phone, they can get it over the phone. If they want to read their own lab results and react to them in their own space, we should do that. If they want to come in and sit next to someone, they should have that option. But but when you force people through things that, that aren't strictly speaking medically necessary, we shouldn't do that. Like you get unpredictable outcomes. And you know, one of the things that he told me about is uh, when he was working in uh, one of these clinics in, in Mexico City where this study was done, some people like you would disclose to them in person, they would just run away. They'd literally like stand up and run away. And like, People can hang up the phone, but they can also just, you have them in the room, they run away. Like, yeah, you can't run thing. a jail. So. Yeah. And what is the best practice? You tell people we need to discuss your results or it's a serious issue. We need to discuss so, your results. So what's best practice? I think, unfortunately, in California, we can't do this, but I think best practice is to let people read their results however they want them. Huh. Uh, we can do that in some states, but not in California because California specifies that your doctor has to get the person who ordered the test, so doctor or or advanced practitioner has to talk to you about the test results. So typically they'll try to call you or mm -hmm. we'll send you a message saying like your doctor needs to talk to you. But mm -hmm. I don't think that's best practice. Some people would say it's best practice, but yeah. yeah. It's interesting. So the debate would be talk to your doctor in case you have questions. That's the, that's the good intent of that. Yeah. The bad intent of it is you have this massively stressful moment between when you find out you yeah. need to talk to your doctor and it doesn't take a genius to know if the doctor's saying, hey, let's talk. Because are you allowed to send the results if they're negative? Uh, yes. Uh, so and, the a, a logical person would say, if I'm getting asked to talk to the doctor, it's not. In exactly. You're gamifying this. It's a bad yeah. experience. And, and, you know, I think this is the big change that, that we are trying to bring to healthcare, not just across disclosing HIV results, but putting people in charge. Like healthcare has for so long been this paternalistic experience where you're asked to come into this tiny room, you have this person tell you what to do, you're not really invested in what's going on, they tell you to open your mouth, they tell you to like drop your pants, and like they do things to you, and then like yeah. out in your merry way you go. And, and I think when you give people real choice, they engage more, they take more responsibility for the outcomes, they take more responsibility for the process, and you get better results. Yeah. It is fascinating that 
to think that the, what they call it, the triple cocktail, is that the right term for the cocktail for people who have HIV? Uh, so, you know, the the best way to do it now is you actually do DNA sequencing to to figure out exactly what the virus that that particular person has. Uh -huh. And then you create a mix of three to four antiretrovirals that are actively suppressing the replication of that particular virus. Mm, so, so, so it's often, custom. It's it's often often it's a standard off the shelf pill because because a lot of these combinations are available in single pill uh, form yeah. with three or four drugs. So, which is what they refer to as a cocktail. I mean, yeah. So sometimes it's actually four pills. Sometimes it's one pill that has the three or four drugs yeah. in it. Yeah. And that has just changed everything. We could be living in a world where, we already live in a world where people who have HIV live as vibrant a life as everybody else, sometimes, mm -hmm. most of the time. Uh, you know, uh, if you take your drug, if you take your drugs constantly every day yeah. as prescribed, I think, you know, I'm not an expert on this, so yeah. so I don't don't hold me to all of this. You should have a very normal life. Very but, normal you know, life, yeah. the, the other thing is, Drug adherence is key when you're treating HIV mm. because the HIV virus will mutate pretty quickly and yeah. then you can lose one or two of the drugs in your regimen. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, you have to you have to be mindful of it, obviously. Mm. But we could be living, I mean, two or three generations from now, HIV might be like a very contained I guess it feels contained now. Well, that's what, what the hope would be. But, you know, new infections are still on the rise in the U.S. And, mm. and if we get PrEP out to everyone that, that needs PrEP, we, we could completely change the arc of that epidemic. Wow. Why, what, how much does PrEP cost? So the, the pills are about $1,650 a month. So, oh. but yeah, so it's wow. eye-wateringly expensive. $20,000 a year. Yes. But... No one that we have on prep. insurance pay for that or no? Yeah, insurance pays for that. So you go to a doctor and say, "I want to have unprotected sex mm -hmm. and be at risk with potentially multiple partners. I want my insurance to pay twenty thousand a year." And the insurance company doesn't say, "Just use condoms." Well, that was where it started off in twenty twelve, right? Yeah. But then some clever people said, well, wait, we've told people use condoms for three decades and they're still not using condoms. Uh, and no one is willing to say, we're not going to treat you if it's your fault. Mm -hmm. So the, the trade-off is, are we going to pay for treatment or are we going to pay for prevention? And the prevention is cheaper than the treatment. Much cheaper. So mm -hmm. the, the NHS in the UK ran a study, uh, cost-benefit analysis, basically. If we pay for PrEP, uh, do our treatment costs go down or up? And mm. they found that they save three pounds in treatment costs for every pound they invest in in prep. Wow, that's amazing. Well, listen, Hans, this is amazing. Thanks for doing the good work. <laughs> it really is like, you know, a lot of people work on like the next photo sharing app, no offense, or- That'd be fun. Which is fun, new filters, all cool, mm -hmm. lenses, whatever. But, you know, you, you got on this early and I think you're going to really like, clearly you're making a huge difference and you just think about the people who you're helping, you know, kids who maybe can't talk to their parents or will be judged because of religion or what city they're in. Um, 
and people who maybe are too embarrassed to take a test or go into a doctor. It's so much easier to go on an app and say, I need this test or talk over the phone than to do what we're doing, looking in each other's eyes and saying, I need to take an HIV test. I need to take a gonorrhea test. This is very uncomfortable for people. Absolutely. And if you're young, mm -hmm. even in your 20s, I mean, it is, I think for those folks, I mean, I'm almost 50 now, I'm 48, but no big deal if I was to go do that. But I can imagine when I was 22, it must be terrorizing for a kid to go in and say, I need a morning after pill and then get judged. No, exactly. And, and you know, that's why that's a particular point of popular culture that's talked about quite a bit. But but even more awkward is is going into a doctor's office and say, like, you know, I'm at risk for HIV because of these reasons. Can you help me out? Right. Crazy. It takes a, quite a bit of courage to do. Yeah, it does. All right. Listen, continue the good work. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis. And one of the things that we used to do in the early first year of the show with Lon Harris and um, Tyler Crowley was we had a little segment that was known as, you remember it, Guess the Fake Startup. Here we go, everybody. We're going to do three startups and you're going to try to guess the fake one. Two are real, one is fake with me, the president of... Inside.com, Austin, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. You remember what happened last time. Tell the audience what happened last time when you presented me with three startups. You psychoanalyzed me and broke it down to every every specific reason why I would have made up the one that I made up. And, and you, what was the end result? You guessed it correctly. Okay, <laughs> let's see if that happens again today. Also with us, El Presidente of Launch. Samantha August is with us. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay. Let's get right to it. I turn off this crazy music. All right, I'm going to use my regular voice. The audience is really upset right now. <laughs> All right, Austin. All right. You're going to tell us three startups. Three startups. Two of them are real startups that exist in the world, and one of them I made up. Okay, here we go. Okay. And I have not been briefed on this. Here we go. And neither has Sam. Go ahead. First, we have Vitality Air. Vitality Air. Buy bottles of air from beautiful places. Buy for bottle? Just, for just $30 a bottle, Vitality Air will send you oxygen from places like Banff National Park. The bottle comes with a mask for easy breathing, and you can expect up to 100 one-second inhales per bottle. Okay. So it's $30 for 100 inhales, a mere 33 cents an inhale. That's yep. the first startup. We don't know if that's real or fake. It's a one-second inhale, so you yeah. might not, that might not be like a full breath. Might not be. It's more like yeah. a... <gasps> yeah. Okay. And get to the second startup, we're All trying right. to figure out which one's fake. Two are real, one is fake. Oh, I should have said, so the, the theme here is... Um, is direct-to-consumer e-commerce. Uh, D to C, here we go. Say, okay, the second one is Sweet Sweet Sweat. Sweet Sweet Sweat. Sign I know where this is going. Signed used sweat towels from your favorite athletes for charity. Every oh. Monday, we launch a raffle for a sweaty towel that was actually used by a famous athlete. 50% of proceeds go to a charity selected by the athlete. It's just $10 to enter the raffle. Past athletes include Zach Levine, Mookie Betts, and Mark Gimble. Okay, Mark Gimble, got it. Okay, and give us your third. Ship yo snow. Real snow delivered anywhere in the United States. Ship, Ship yo, yo snow, snow packages real snow and ships it overnight in an insulated package. Okay. The $50 blizzard in a box package costs $400 and is enough for a four-foot snowman or 150 snowballs. Expect 15% of your snow to be melted upon arrival. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to recap here, you have Vitality Air, where you buy bottles of air for 30 bucks, you get 101 second inhales. Then you have Sweet Sweet, sweaty towels, athlete towels for 10 bucks, go to charity, 
and then ship your snow. $50 a box, and 15% will be melted. But you can make a four-foot snowman. Yep, that's right. All right, Sam. You're going to go first here. Take us through your thinking. You've heard three ridiculous startups. One of them's fake. Two are sadly real. I think you should, in addition to guessing, you should each also have to say which one you would buy. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not buying any of these, so I'm going to have to fake that. But uh, I, ha I have a confession to make. I have invested in one of these companies already. <laughs> yes, that's right. I invested. No, I, didn't, I didn't invest in any of these companies. Okay, that's just me uh, making a joke. Okay, Sam, so you heard the first one, Vitality Air. What yeah. do you think of that one? Take me through your thinking. Do you think people would actually buy that? So I feel like millennials are very sentimental. And I mm -hmm. feel like that would be something that, you know, say you went on your honeymoon at a certain certain area or, you know, wanted to surprise your spouse with something, like something creative, if, if you had a special moment in a place. Like I could see someone purchasing okay. a bottle so of Okay, so if you got engaged in Banff or you were, I don't know, a place like... I uh, could see it, yeah. You could see it. Like if you uh, had shared your first kiss by the Gowanus Canal or Red Hook in Brooklyn, you can get that smell of the Gowanus Canal. Got it. Okay, I like that thinking. Okay, and sweet, sweet towels. Okay, what do you think? So you're thinking I that's real. Yeah, I, sweet, sweet sweat I also think is real. Um, I know people will do anything for any piece of, you know, their heroes or, you know, athletes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen all sorts of stuff on eBay. So I feel like a used sweaty towel, I mean, absolutely. I would definitely buy that, you know, from Serena for charity. Absolutely. Serena Williams. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Would you smell it? No. No. I would, I would frame it. <laughs> You'd frame Maybe it. try to get an Okay, so then... it would not be for the point of... Smelling like this. a bottle yeah. of sweat. It's, like, yes. I put a little plaque on it, you know, Serena Williams Got it. this towel. Got it. Okay. And ship your snow. I, this is the one I think is fake. Okay. Yeah. Especially the 50% the melted. 15% mm, melted. Okay. 15. That's, oh, 15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a little bit more sense. Gotcha. Um, mm. Okay. I don't know. Does that yeah. change it or? The 15 versus 50% is that <laughs> going to tip you <laughs> that off? That is a big difference. That is a big yeah. difference. Yeah. Well, well you, guess, you have guess, a you're sure about vitality, so you're picking between sweet, sweet, sweaty socks and or whatever it is, and ship yo snow. snow. Austin, where where are you from? Where Chicago. did you grow up? Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever miss the weather in Chicago? Um, no. I love the snow though. I like to. Uh, go. She's going right for the psychoanalysis here. She's trying to get quiz yeah. the quizzer here. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right, here she goes. She's going to make her decision. The f okay, so anyway, write down what your decision is. Okay. Don't tell me yet. I'm going to take you through my thinking. All right, so I'm going through my thinking here, and I am thinking... I'm not going to do that. It's way too annoying. Um, the air one makes the most sense, right? It doesn't seem completely outrageous. The other two seem pretty outrageous. And so if you just think about the outrageous factor... Uh, Air seems like people sell sand, they sell air, there might actually be something to it, but how do you quantify 30 puffs in a bottle? I don't know. Is it a tank? I don't know. It's coming an air tank? How does one create that? They call it a bottle, but but it's it looks more like a can. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that one is, like Sam was saying, seems pretty real to me. And then I was looking at it. So I'm between snow and sweat, I believe. Okay, and based on that, I'm definitely in the right zone. Um, <laughs> and the what was the name of the sweet, sweet sweat? That's it, sweet, sweet sweat. Okay, so ship yo snow sounds ridiculous. 
ship yo snow sounds like very like urban and ridiculous. Now that could go two ways. I'm thinking because Austin is super woke millennial, he would not ever come up with a name like ship your snow because to come up with a name like that in the back of his unconscious mind, he would think maybe somebody would criticize me for creating something that sounded urban as a white guy, right? So I actually think ship your snow is the red herring. I think that that one is actually real. And I think the sweet, sweet, sweaty towels is not because he said Mark Gimble. I don't know any athlete. I didn't recognize any of those athletes. And Mark Gimble to me sounded like a made up name. So I actually, I'm going to put ship your snow in. It's got to be because Austin does not want to be considered somebody who would be cavalier with a name like that. So I'm going with the sweet, sweet. What are you going with, Sam? I'm going with Shipia Snow. Okay. I think I think with the with the athletes, he he would have Googled actual athletes. You know mm, what I mean? But uh, like yeah. Like if he had made it up. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> Tell us, working backwards, which one is real? Tell us one of the real startups, Austin. Vitality Air is real. Of course, we got that right. That was an easy one. It seemed well constructed. <laughs> and he put it first. Okay, now comes the moment of truth, Austin. Tell us, which one is also real? Ship Yo Snow is real. No. Boom! <laughs> Once again. There we have it, folks. Austin. So, just to say, though, two of those, those first two names, Zach Levine and Mookie Betts, are real athletes. But Mark Gimble, you made up. Mark Gimble's like a close friend of mine. and Oh, my yeah. Lord. So, what you're telling me is not only did I guess it, but I keyed off of this, your... The, the yeah, you caught on Mark Gimble. You were like, I caught on Mark Gimble, and it. I said Mark Gimble back to you, and I looked in your eyes as I was saying it, and you looked down. And so once again, you have so many tells, Austin. I should have put Steph Curry or something. I just thought that would be too obvious. Right. So once again, I've been able to read your soul back to back. Guess the fake startups. I hope you're paying attention, Sam. This is how you read people and understand how they think. Come back, everybody, next time. We'll see ya. A big goodbye from Guess the Fix Startup. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>